Thank you for tuning in to the World Overcomers podcast. On behalf of our senior pastor, Andy Thompson, we appreciate your continued support and generosity. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast to receive updates when we post new content every week. If you would like more information or want to make a contribution to World Overcomers or Pastor Andy, visit www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast. Once again, that is www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast. Enjoy the message. Now, now part of why I'm excited uh, about being up here and sharing with you specifically on this topic today is, is that Pastor Andy is, is my oldest brother, right? And, and, and who here is a younger brother or sister in the room? Raise your hand up high. You're a younger brother or sister. So we got some olders in the room. Amen. Bless God for you older people. Uh, but my brother Andy, um, he was rough. Let me just be, let me just be honest. I, you know, I know this is his church and y- y'all love him. And I do too. He's great, right? He's a great, amazing man of God. Good word, funny, awesome, all that. But when we was young, my brother was rough. Be real with you. And we, we, we was back from the old school where, you know, we didn't have remotes for TVs. Now, we did, but we lost it, and then it was gone. And so I was the remote. Let me, just, let me just help you with this real quick. Let me just tell you how we lived. I was the remote. And, and the way it was is I had to click the TV up on the thing. Come on, y'all know. There was UHF and VHF. Come on, y'all. And there was the one that was like, click, click, click. And then there was one that was like, come on, right? And you would turn it to see the pictures. And sometimes that numbers wore off. You didn't know what numbers was on there. You was just turning, come on, y'all, just turning to see something. And so what my brother Andy would do is that he would take long sticks, Jesus, and he would hit me on the right side, and that meant turn it up. Come on, somebody. If he hit me on the left shoulder, that meant turn it to the left way, turn it down. And so the way I lived was I got beaten to turn the TV. That was my life. And I had to take the hit. Ah, okay, turn it up. Okay. Ah, okay, turn it up again. It was rough. I, 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 was, I was the fifth boy of five boys, number five, and, and, and we all played basketball. And since I was a little kid, I wanted to play with them. I, I always wanted to get out there. I saw them playing, and I was ready to play. And they told me, you can't play till you can take it. And I was like, take what? And then I found out what I had to take, which was knock me over, beat me upside the head. Ain't no foul. Shut up, boy. Shoot that. What you doing? Don't complain. You're not bleeding. And so in my world, I I had to raise, I was raised to believe that I had to fight hard to make it. Like like if I was going to be seen or recognized, I had to fight for it. It wasn't given to me. Like, I had older brothers that were good at stuff. Nobody looked and said, oh, Mike's good. They said, Mike's quiet and young. Leave him alone. And I had to fight to show who God was in me. For a lot of my life, I felt like I was the young person trying to prove something to people that were older. Is that just me? Come on. And and there were moments in my life where I got frustrated in it. Because you feel sometimes like you're not seen or or you're not recognized or, or, or you're fighting in vain. Until you realize that that God always sees you. That there is something about what he calls you that's important. 
Now, now, now I'm going to give you a little bit of a history lesson. If you've never uh, been taught by me, I, I love he Hebrew. I, I studied the Hebrew language. I, I, I think words matter, and, and I think they're important to our theology. So I, I want to teach you a couple Hebrew words. Is that okay? And you know what? If you're not okay with that, too bad I'm doing it anyway, right? So you might as well act like you like it while you learn something real quick. But, but let me teach you a couple Hebrew words. The first word I want to teach you is the word Shem. Everyone say Shem. Shem in Hebrew uh, is the word for name. It's also the name of uh, Noah's oldest son, correct? Now, the Shem is, is name. And so he named, Noah named his son name. Jesus. You know, that's like naming your dog, dog, right? Like just whatever it is, whatever you are, that's what you are. And he named him name. Uh, now, now let me teach you a second word because I think it matters. Uh, the word in Hebrew for like meaning or, or essence, like, like who you are, is the word shema. Okay? So it's shem or name, and then it's shema. Just added this A-H at the end, and it's, it is kind of the meaning or, or, or essence. And so the idea is this. Your name is connected to who you are. That there is meaning in your name. Now, now we come from a world where words don't really have meaning. That there was a moment in history where God came down and confused the language. It was called the Tower of Babel. And, and, and so there was now a, a disassociation between words and what they mean. Like you can say something like, I know I said that, but I didn't mean it. I know I told you you're stupid, but I don't mean you're stupid. Like I said it, but I don't mean it. And let me teach you, in Hebrew, what you say is what you mean. Every word has meaning. And so a name is not just a name, it's your essence. It's your meaning. I'll give you an example. I don't even have the notes up there. But uh, you remember when, when God created Adam and Eve and, and he made Adam first. And the, one of the first things he told him to do was to name every animal. Now, when you think about it, it's just words for us, like a dog's a dog, a cat's a cat. It doesn't have any meaning. But, but what Adam did was that Adam gave the animals its shema. God created the animal. Adam named it and gave it its essence. I'll give you a couple examples, really cool. I think it's fun, and you know what? You can go home and look this up when you get home. This is why Hebrew is so cool, right? Here's a couple of them. The word for dog in Hebrew is the word kelev, K-E-L-E-V, if you're taking notes. Kelev is dog. And you know what kelev means in Hebrew? It means all heart, all passion. So God created dog, and Adam said, this animal will be all heart, all passion. It will die for its owner, and that's why the dog is the dog. See, see, a name is more than just words. There is something behind it. The word for cat in Hebrew is the word chatul, C-H-A-T-U-L. Say chatul. Come on, y'all got to see. You know, we, we, I know we New Testament, we love, but Hebrew is it's legit, right? Hatul. You know what hatul means? Hatul means in the background to blend in. The other day I went to my friend's house. I was like, well, you got any pets? They was like, we have a cat. I said, where is it? They were like, I don't know. 
I was like, I was looking around. And then this cat just jumped up. Ah! And they were like, there it is. There's the cat, right? Because cats blend in. They're in the background. They're quiet. Now, now, now perhaps this is how the, the cat acted and, and Adam named it. But, but see, I believe it was a little different. I believe Adam looked at an animal and gave it its meaning, its, its essence, its shema. And that's what the animal became. In the Jewish culture to this day, they believe that every parent gets prophetic license for eight days in order to name their child. That's why they don't name a child right when it's born. They'll, they'll wait eight days because what they're asking the Lord for is not its name, but its essence. Ah. Who are you? What is your meaning? Why did he make you? Who, who did he create you to become? All of these are questions of essence, of meaning, of Shema. God wants to know, and I believe I, I, I'm here to ask, what's your name? Like, like, what is it that God has called you? Because what I've realized in our lives is that we have a name, but sometimes we walk outside of our name. Sometimes it's hard to live up to that name. But, but I believe that there is, there is something in your name that, that desperately matters. Part of the reason that this has hit me so hard is, is that it first hit me. I was studying Hebrew and I, I heard about this teaching and I said, okay, well, let me look up my name. And my name is Michael, the greatest name in the history of the world. Correct? Anybody got a problem? I got some Michaels in the background. Amen. A great name. It's fantastic, isn't it? Have you met a bad Michael? You haven't. Think about it. Oh, yeah. Mike Jackson was, you know, I mean, he was, he was born. You can like him, man. Look, come on, somebody. There was a Mike Tyson, Jesus. Let me not say that too loud because, you know, amen. But there's some Mikes that are in, but, but it's a good name. But, but here's what I realized. My name, Michael, is a question. And the question is, who is like God? That's the name. The name Michael means who is like God. And my entire life, I questioned everything. In fact, when I was in school and Sunday schools, I, I used to get in trouble because I asked too many questions. I didn't want to just believe it because they said it. I wanted to understand it and get deeper in it. In fact, I thought it was what kept me away from God. That, that because I question so much, what's wrong with me? Why do I have to find it on myself? Why am I reading other things and, and I need help from other things? Well, maybe because God created me to answer the question. That there is no one like him. And so now my life is defined by answering the question of my name. That no one is like God. What is your name? I, I have a sister named Deborah. In, in Hebrew, the word Deborah actually means bee. The word Deborah is bee, the little bees that fly around. And you know what's crazy? The word Deborah or Devorah in Hebrew, uh, it means to arrange in order, to be structured and disciplined. I have never met a Deborah that is not structured and disciplined. Like their entire life, and I don't even know a Deborah in this room, but I bet you if you know one, there is some arranging and some structures that they have in their lives. That's how they think. And when you look at a beehive, there is order and structure to everything that they do. There is something behind your name. So, so what's Jacob's name? Oh, let me help you. In Hebrew, the word, the name for Jacob is, is Yaakov. 
And that's the name that he was given, Yaakov. V and B in Hebrew is kind of interchangeable. So Jacob or Yaakov is, is his name. Uh, but then there is this other word, Akev. Everyone say Akev. Akev is the word for heal. Okay? And so Yaakov, Akev, in, in Hebrew, when there's similar letters and structures, you know that those words are connected and that there's something to it. Well, maybe because the word Jacob means heel grabber. One who grabs the heel. In fact, that was his name. He was named Heel Grabber, which is interesting because his brother was named Hairy Dude. Like, like Esau comes out first, and we read it in Genesis 25. And back then, you look at a kid, you got eight days, and then you say, all right, well, here's his name. And you know what they named the first one? Hairy Brother. He was hairy at birth before puberty, Right? Look, he, he's a, I bet you he's still hairy in heaven. We're going to get up there and be like, where's he? There's Esau right there. The hair is everywhere. Okay? But, but they saw him and named him Hair Man. And then they saw Jacob, and they knew that when he came out of the womb, his, his hand was grabbing onto his brother's heel, and so they named him Heel Grabber. Now, in a Hebrew context, you got to understand that, that Heel Grabber kind of means scrappy fighter. It's a good way of understanding that, that one who grabs the heel is kind of one who fights and never gives up. It's that friend you had that never said uncle. Come on, right? You holding them down, beating them down, they never give in. I, I, I had a friend growing up that was real short. Uh, that would, Whenever something popped off, he was the first one to fight, and he would not stop. Come on, we all know these people. And they, they, I saw my boy get beat up bad, and he still got up. Come, and eventually, you ever been, well, you're like, bro, come on, man. Like, trust me, you got to stop because you keep getting up, and he keep knocking you back, not up, right? Like, stop it. But, but there is something about certain people that have this, this scrappy fighter in them. And they don't give up. They don't give in. It's one of the reasons why Jacob always connected to me as a, as a young brother of, of five or four older brothers because I had to be a scrappy fighter. It was the only way I was allowed to play. Uh, if I got hurt, I had to say, I'm okay. I'm bleeding. They're like, Mike, you're bleeding. I'm like, no, I'm not. Pass me the ball. So I had to be scrappy. I had to keep fighting. I, I wasn't going to beat you up, but I was going to not let up. And I was going to wear you down, and I was going to keep going. And if we go into court right now, I'll show you that there's still some of that in me right now. Amen. Jesus. And so the idea is that God wanted Jacob to be heel grabber, scrappy fighter. Now, in the life of Jacob, and, and I don't really have time. I wish I did. I could do this whole series. It would be really fun. But, but, but in the life of Jacob, he really walks into a many other names. In the time that I have, I want to show you a couple names that he lived into because his name is Heel Grabber, but the name that he began to walk into in his life, if you remember from Sunday school, come on, some of y'all remember the stories of Jacob in Sunday school. He, he began to walk outside of his name. One of the first names that he walked into uh, was the name Thief. And in Genesis chapter 25, I, I, I'll give a quick summary, but that there is a story where he steals his brother's birthright. You guys know this. Come on. His brother comes in from being very hungry out in the woods, and, and it says that he came to him, and he was so hungry that he was going to die. I don't know if that's real or if it's figurative. Either way, he really wanted some grub. Okay? 
And so Jacob knew that and kind of played on it and was like, yo, why don't you sell me your birthright? Now, you know, your birthright in the Jewish culture is what the father possessed like monetarily, like what they had. Now, so part of what Esau does is he kind of poo-poos on his dad's stuff by taking the meal. Does that make sense? That he's kind of like, I'm good with it. And the truth is, is that Esau would go on to be an extremely wealthy man. And so it's almost as if it makes sense. Like he's like, I don't need my dad's money. I'm going to go off and do it on my own. And so part of Esau's mentality was like, yo, I'll take some soup because I'm going to make my own loot. Come up up here rapping. Come on, y'all. Y'all heard that? I didn't even mean to rhyme there, but I did. Come on, somebody. And so he, he allows him to give it over. And, and Jacob now walks into a name that was not the name given to him. And it's the name of thief. He takes this birthright from him and walks into the promise of, of, of his life. He, he starts living as thief. And in Genesis 25, the whole story, and actually with his mother, uh, is, is this story of him stealing the birthright. Pause. Real quick. This is a side note. It's not a part of the sermon. Amen. But, but there, there is another side note to this that's interesting because Rebecca might have been confused by the prophecy. If you remember, the prophecy says that there are two babies in you, right? And the younger will be greater than the older. So maybe she was thinking in the moment, this is my time to enact what God said. So let me let my son be the greater and get the blessing because this is what God says. And often in our lives, we hear something from the Lord and try to do it our way. And just because you got a word from the Lord doesn't mean that you are supposed to do it the way you want to do it right now. There is patience involved in waiting on the Lord. And sometimes there's frustration in that because he's trying to align some things that you don't know about. And so you're frustrated with God because you want something that he said you can have, but you want it right now. Rebecca, in, in, in I, what I believe was a, was a good heart, walks into this with her son in a wrong way. Let me tell you something. When God calls you and says he's going to do something in it, he's going to do that in you. And when you do it on your own, you create warfare. Did you know that what's happening in Israel right now is the result of Abraham choosing to do it his way? You understand that Isaac is the father of the Jewish and Christian faith, but then he had another son, Ishmael, which is the father of the Islamic or Muslim faith. And these two places will always war, and it's a war between doing it God's way and doing it your way. And so, uh, Jacob walks into this thief name, and I don't believe that's the name God gave him. The name God gave him was heel grabber, not thief, and he becomes thief. The second thing that Jacob walks into in Genesis chapter 27, just a couple chapters later, and again, if you want to look this up, if you've never heard these stories, I... Go home and read it. You got to get all the, the details of it. It's good. But in Genesis chapter 27, he walks into the second name, and, and that name is liar. In, in this story, he now lies about the blessing. Now, this thing Esau cares about. And, and I need you to understand the birthright he poo-pooed on, but the blessing he cared about. And that's why he had to lie about it and had to put on some hairy things. You remember the story. 
And so his father is blind, late in his life, Isaac. And, he is, and so his brother, of course, he, Esau, is hairy brother, right? And so he puts on some hairy stuff, probably like this jacket I got on, a little hairy. And he walks in, and his father feels it and thinks that it's his son, Esau. He then goes on to bless him and gives him this blessing, which is a very important blessing given from a father to a son. In the Hebrew culture, it's called the Shahada. It's this idea that the father will now bestow on him everything that the father has given. There's another time that this happens in history, and it was at the baptism of Jesus. It's a really powerful story where Jesus goes to be baptized. Uh, they take him, John, and puts him in the water. The Bible says that the heavens ripped open. You know the story. And, and out of the heavens you hear a word, this is my son who I am well pleased with. Every single Jewish person in that room would have known that this is the Shahada. This is what you hear from a father to a son. And after that, everything that I have as a father now goes on to you. And I don't believe it's a coincidence that then Jesus goes on after being baptized into being Jesus. Before he's a carpenter, after the Shahada, he's the man, okay? And so there is something about this that is very important in the Jewish culture. And this is what Jacob steals. Now Jacob, uh, and Esau's really mad about this. Right? And in the story here, this is when Jacob's got to dip. He got to go. Because now Esau is heated and he's ready to bang. Come on, somebody. And so he's like, look, I, look, you took my birthright. Now you took my blessing. It's time to figure some things out. And so Jacob now runs. And, and he runs away uh, to his uncle's house, Laban, to find his boo. Now, now I know that's kind of weird because he marries his cousins, but let's just move on from that part uh, of the story. Back in the day, things was a little different. You know what I mean? Uh, you saw your uncle's kids and was like, yo, I'll let your boy. Now, nowadays, please uh, don't do that. Uh, there's a lot more humans on earth. You don't got to get with your cousin. But, but back then, it was different. I'll leave it right there. Come on, y'all. And Jacob now runs to his uncle's crib, Laban, and there he sees two girls. Really, he sees one that's like, yo, that's the one, right? Yo, Rachel's the one, right? Like, she looked right. And then there is Leah, who the Bible says it this way. <laughs> hmm. The Bible says that it hurt your eyes to look at her. That's what it, it's the literal meaning. Like, your eyes burn <laughs> when you look at her, her, your eyes hurt. You know, and I was always, again, this is a little side note, but I was always bothered by that statement, that, that Rachel was ugly and Leah was beautiful. Part of what bothered me about it is that how can God say somebody's hot? Come on. If he made all of us, right, and he loves all of us, he can't make some and say, this one's ugly, this one's pretty. Like, how can God say that? In fact, if, of Esther, if you remember, the Bible says that she was the most beautiful woman of her day. And you're saying, well, God, what does that mean? How can you say that? Well, maybe because beauty is not what we think beauty is. In Hebrew, the word for beauty is tiferet. T-I-F-E-R-E-T. -E -E if you're taking notes, write it down. T-I-F. I didn't put on my notes. I should have. T-I-F-E-R-E-T. -E -E it's tiferet. It's the word for beauty. But you know what else it means? Balance. Ah, that there is a balance in you. 
that, that you know the things of God, but you are also of this world, and you understand that there is a balance with that. That you know you have to be disciplined, but you know that also you have to be loving at times. There's a balance in that. That I got to give it all. I got to do everything. But then there are times where I have to take a step back and say no. It's not just yes, yes, yes. Sometimes no, no, no is just as godly. And we're not called to do everything, that there are some things that you have to give and, and pull back on. And what that does is it allows you to be balanced. And what God is saying of Rachel and Leah was that Rachel was beautiful and Leah was imbalanced. It's probably the reason why he goes into the room, sleeps with her, and doesn't know it's her. Because it wasn't about a physical look, y'all. They probably looked alike. They probably looked very similar. It's how he was with her the first night that he was with her and didn't know that he was with her till he woke up in the morning. Now, maybe he had a couple things to drink that night. Come on. That's the other option, right? The non-theological option is that he got jiggy that night. And he was like, yeah, that was crazy. And then he woke up and he was like, hey, that ain't my girl. Jesus, I had way too much last night. Or, more likely, they looked very similar, but one was beautiful and one lacked balance. And there is something about balance that makes you beautiful in your walk. And that's the most beautiful thing about your journey with the Lord is balance. You have to be able to say yes and no. You have to be able to give of yourself and have restraint at the same time. And so there is something about this beautiful balance that, that happens in that. It's not even my sermon, but let's go back. So, so, so he gets with Rachel. Eventually, uh, uh, of course, his father gives him Leah. Then he has to have Rachel. Y'all know the story. And at the end of this long story, he's there for about 11 years. Uh, his uncle gets really upset with him. I don't have time to deal with it, but it's about these sheep. They were one spotted, one is not. And there was this whole drama that he has. Uh, but Jacob, in this part of the story, takes on his third name. And that third name, I believe, is not the name God gave him, uh, but it's the name Runner. He, he decided to run from every issue. That, that whenever there was something confronting him and he was afraid or scared, he would run from it. How often have we run from what God is calling for us to become? Perhaps it's too daunting. Perhaps you think somebody else will. But instead of living into what God called you to, we run and hope somebody else does. And in Genesis chapter 28, he runs from Esau. In Genesis chapter 31, he's running from Laban. And so Jacob takes on the name of runner. He's been liar. He's been thief. He's been runner. And then at number four, I believe the worst name of all of the names is the word or the name deserter. Because what happens then is, is after he runs from Laban and, and he's running from, from Esau, you got to realize that, that Esau is somewhere in the south, Laban somewhere in the north. And so he ran north when he left Esau. He's running south when he leaves Laban, but he's shook. He's scared because where can he go? You go south, Esau is there. You can't stay north. Laban's looking for you and both of them want to kill him. And so what Jacob does is he stops in the middle, and there's a river that runs through. It's called the River Jabbok. He stops in the middle and adopts the worst of all of the names, which is this name, Deserter. In Genesis chapter 32, we just read it. He took all his wives and their children and put them on a boat and sent them down the River Jabbok. I need you to understand that in this culture, in this time, this is the most egregious thing a father or a man could ever do. Because a woman caught alone could be the property of any man. 
And so if a man sees a woman alone, he will say, well, then you alone and you just free. And now I can have you. It's why women would go in groups to the well in certain places. It's why Jesus was surprised when he saw the woman at the well alone, because it's weird in that culture, right? And, and so the fact that Jacob would say, you guys go ahead, means I'm deserting y'all. Guys, he can't see the other side. The Jopic is huge. So he's sending them down ocean without ever knowing what's going to happen with them. His wives and his children. And he's laying by himself on the river. And at this point in his life, he has walked into every name but his name. He's been a thief. He's been a liar. He's, he's run multiple times. He's, he's proven to be a runner. And now, the worst of it, he's deserted his whole family, his whole meaning, everything. And he sent it down on the river. And he's laying on the beach by himself when something happens. While he's laying there on the beach by himself, he's confronted with someone. Now, now all my life, I was taught that who he met on the beach was an angel. That this angel came to Jacob to tell him or to present some things to him. I don't know if this was an angel. Because there's a couple things that happen interesting in that story. Firstly, if you remember, we just read it. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 114, it says that all angels are ministering angels. And this angel did not serve him. To minister means to serve. And so this angel comes down and fights with him. Like physical fight. He didn't come down and say, blessed are you among men. You are blessed and well-mannered, right? This wasn't Gabriel giving a message that you are going to be with child, right? This, this wasn't that. This angel being whatever came down and they were scrapping all night. Now, who here has been in a fight before? Raise your hand. Just be real with me. Come on. We in church. Can't lie to me. Come on. Now, now, if you've been in a fight, usually fights feel long, but they go quick. Come on, somebody. You feel like you've been fighting for 10 years, and it was like six seconds of a fight. And you was like, really? Hold on. Hold on. You ever been in a fight and tried to tell them to hold up? Wait a minute. Stop. I'm tired. Because if you fight for longer than two minutes, you're going to be breathing heavy. He fought all night. All night long he fought with this being. And it did not serve him. The second thing is he asks this being, Jacob asks this angel to bless him. And the fact that he asked it and this being had the ability to bless says to me that it wasn't an angel. Because angels can't just bless frivolously. They can't just say, I decide to bless you and you will be prosperous and rich. Every single time an angel gives a message of blessing, it's from God. God will say, go down and tell them that they're blessed. Go down and give them this message for me. It's not frivolous. It's not up to them. But yet this being had the ability to bless. The third thing I see in this story is that... Uh, he names this being, this, this angel, names Jacob Israel. He changes his name. And he names him Israel. And the word Israel means one who struggles with God. Yeah.
If this message has blessed or encouraged you, feel free to visit www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast and learn more about WOCC or donate to the ministry. This enables us to continue to impact the kingdom in the best way possible. Israel, uh, that's us. We are ones who struggle with the Lord. We, we hear him and, and we know that there are times that it's easy to get into his presence, but then there are times where it is a struggle. Come on. This daily grind with him is it's a struggle because we live in a world where, where the enemy has so much in the air that it's difficult sometimes to navigate and to get to him anytime you really need him and really want him. And even though that you might not feel him, he's always there, he always hears you, but sometimes it's you that, that that's going on. Something's not right with you. And what is said here is that he names him Israel, which is the place or the one who struggles with God. And then the final thing I'll leave you is that after he does it, he names the place. He names the place Peniel. Peniel means I've seen the face of God. Pen in Hebrew is face. And so it's the place where I've seen God. Let me help you all out real quick. I believe that who Jacob was fighting with was Jesus. I I don't think it was an angel. Uh, it definitely didn't serve him. It blessed him when he asked. He names him the one who fights with God. That's what he named him. Not the one who fights with an angel. The one who fights with God. And then Jacob walks away calling that, yo, that's the place I saw God. And what we call this is, is a theophany in, 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 in theology. And it's the idea, it's the idea of um, a pre-incarnate Jesus before Jesus. So before Jesus comes to earth, there are times in the Old Testament where you can find Jesus. And he appears in the Old Testament to show that I'm coming and I love you. There's a time in Daniel where he sees writing on the wall and weirdly it's this hand that's in Aramaic. Well, maybe that was the hand that Jesus would ultimately become. In the fiery furnace, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego looked inside and said, I thought there were three of them, but there is a fourth one in there that looks like the Son of Man. He's not an angel. It's something else. And here on the shores of the river Jabbok, Jacob is fighting all night with Jesus. Fights him all night. And then at the end of the fight, here's what it says, if you remember we read this. It says, at the end of the fight, Jesus touched Jacob's hip. It doesn't say he punched it. It doesn't say he pulled it or ripped it or wrenched it. It just says he touched it, and I love that. Because this touch was different than every other touch. They've been fighting all night. What do you mean he touched him? He's been touching him all night. But there was this one touch that hit Jacob in a certain way that caused him now to walk with a limp. And for the rest of Jacob's life, he had to walk with a limp. And you want to know why Jacob had to walk with a limp? It's because Jesus was telling him that you need to stop running. can't run anymore. In fact, the place that he touched it, many people believe to be the sciatic nerve that runs from your foot all the way up your back. Have a sciatic nerve injury and try to cough once. 
like you will feel it in your toenails, okay? It is like for the rest of his life, he will never be able to run and desert and to leave what God is calling for him to do. You know, there are times in our lives where we're really angry with the enemy because we feel like he's doing something to stop us from where he, we want to go and what we want to do. But I want to tell you right now, and this might be hard for some of y'all to hear, but there are times where Jesus is saying, look, I need you to stop running. And I'm going to allow some things in you to get you to stop running. I, I, I need to allow some things to get you to a place where you know who I am. Because the name that you've been running into, the name that you've been walking into, the name that you've adopted because you thought this is who my father was, this is who my grandfather was, this is who my mother is, this is who I am. That, that name that you're walking into, this, this name that you're carrying is not the name he gave you. That's the name the world gave you. That's the name that your friend gave you. Even your mother may have given you it. Somebody broken gave it to you and now you're walking in a name that's not your name. And I believe that God sometimes, not the enemy, God sometimes is trying to awaken us to a place to see him. You got to see him. And, and you know what? There are times where God does certain things and it's because of the season that God works in and it's not because he doesn't love you. You got to understand that God works in specific ways and, and a specific season and there are things that he does that, that sometimes don't make sense to you. But, but if you understand God in season, you will understand him in, in all things. You know, right now, if I were to pray really hard uh, and I'm going to Boston in January to visit my mother, I'm going to pray and fast that it's warm enough for me to go to the beach. <laughs> Who's going to agree in prayer with me? Come on, man. Let's pray and fast. Thank you. I got one. Anybody else want to pray and fast? Put down your meal for the next couple months. I'm going to fast every day that it's going to be 82 in January when I get now, now, this sounds funny, but how often are we frustrated with God because he doesn't come through for us when it's not the right season? In fact... In fact, every single time you see the word time in your Bible, it also can be translated season. Because God doesn't work in time. He works in seasons. He's circular. Right? He doesn't work in our time. He doesn't fit in our timelines. He works in seasons. And so there are certain seasons where you could be frustrated with God, but it's winter. And you can be mad that it's winter, or you can go get a coat. Uh, we can be frustrated with God in the season we're in. Come on. We can be angry with him in this season, or we can understand the season and learn how to cope and live in the season that we're in. I can stand outside in a short sleeve t-shirt mad that it's winter, or I can get a coat and go inside. And how often are we frustrated with God yelling and screaming, and he's like, look, I work in a different season than you do. You got to understand me in my time. You got to understand me in my season. I believe that Jacob was not made to be a thief. He was not made to be a deserter. He was not made to be a runner. He was not made to be a liar. In fact, what he was made to be was the name that he was given at birth. So then the story comes uh, to the end. 
And there's a part in the story, and we're closing here. Come on, it's almost chicken 30. I can feel it. You can feel it too. You can feel it, right? Chicken 30 is coming. I can feel it. At some point, I'm going to get sponsored by chicken because, look, I do this every sermon. It's almost chicken 30. You can feel it. I can almost taste that. Amen. It's coming. Hold on. We almost done. Don't get off yet. Sit back down. Put your seatbelt on. It ain't over. Because the end of the story is, is in my opinion, the best part of the story. This, this Jesus is now looking at, at Jacob. And he says to him, I got to go because it's daybreak. Now, I don't even have time to deal with that. I wish I did because it's so cool. But why does he have to go at daybreak? What is Jesus doing at daybreak that he needs to leave for? Come on, there's so much in that. That's just like, what are you talking about? What happens at daybreak, Lord? And I wish I had time, but I don't. And I just got to look like you better go. Okay, so let me, yep. So, so this daybreak thing is happening. And Jesus is like, yo, I got to dip. I mean, I'm, I'm paraphrasing a little bit. Come on, right? A little bit. But Jesus is like, yo, I'm off this. I got to go. What, let, let's end this fight. And Jacob looks at him and says, I won't let go until you bless me. Now, I want you to get this image. There was a fight that's happening on the ground. And the Bible says that Jesus touched the socket of Jacob's hip. And so now Jacob is barely moving. He's probably laying on the ground, hardly moving, in agony and pain. In fact, uh, many of the old ancient writings say that Jacob was laying on the ground. And Jesus is standing now above him. And he's looking down on him saying, I got to go. It's time for me to go. It's daybreak. Jacob is holding on to him and not letting him go. I want you to get an image of what is happening. Jesus is standing trying to leave. Jacob is grabbing on to something. Like, like what is Jacob holding on to? Many of the ancient writings suggest that perhaps what Jacob is holding on to is the heel of Jesus. That he's holding on to his heel. And you know what? It's at that moment that Jesus looks at him. And I believe this was the reason for the fight. Because I need you to start walking into your real name. You are heel grabber. You aren't liar. You aren't deserter. You, you aren't thief. You're, you're not broken. You're, you're, you're not what even the actions of your life have said about you. You're something so much greater. There is something so much more. And there was a name that I gave you at birth that you have walked away from that I need you to now recognize and walk into. You're heel grabber. And as Jesus is, has his heel, he's pulling it. And this is the place, the posture of Jacob's birth. It's what he was created to be. And it's at that moment that God changes his name. He changes his name to Israel, one who struggles with God. Uh, like this whole idea is that you will struggle. And, and here's the greatest thing. This is what I believe God's heart was all about. The thought for him is, is that if Jacob, right, if Jacob will fight with me, if Jacob will fight with me, how will he fight for me? And in many respects, how hard have we fought to run from him? In fact, the, the, the amount of how hard you ran from him, in my opinion, should match how much you're pursuing him now. 
See, the reason he wants you is you're the fighter. The, the reason he's created you is for you to fight for him. This idea of struggle is who we are. And we are not defined by our mistakes. We are defined by our pursuit. And so your pursuit has to define who you are as a believer. That's the name you are. You are a pursuer of him. You are one that struggles and fights for him. And of all the names in the Bible that Jesus changes, and, and if you go throughout Scripture, and it makes sense now, God changes people's names. You wonder why. Now, this changing of name is because God's giving them a new essence, a new meaning, something deeper in them, not Abram, Abraham, right? There's this changing of names that, that kind of graduates you and puts you into something more. But only Jacob, all through Scripture, and you can look there tonight when you get home, only Jacob is called both names. He's the only one that God changes his name to Israel, but he's still called Jacob. In fact, he's called Jacob as much as he's called Israel. And it's because, yes, he is one who struggles with God, but at the core of him, he is heel grabber. He is scrappy fighter. You know, my, my second son, his name is, is Jacob, uh, and there's a reason behind that. Uh, my, my oldest, of course, is Michael, and uh, you know, I, we, we all got juniors in our family, so there was no choice there. You know, you, you have no choice. I'd have probably, my brothers would have came down and beat me up. I'd have been the only one without a junior. Uh, so I named Junior, and I'm so glad I did, because he's so me, uh, my oldest son, Michael. But then I, I have a second son, and my, my second son, I knew who I was going to call. He was going to be Jacob. He was going to be fighter. And Jacob is, is just the scrappy fighter. It's, it's just who he is. He's probably the best basketball player I've ever seen as a young man, just a, a short dude, but he, he struggles with debilitating migraines, and, and he struggles through it. But guys, every single day there is a joy in him, a, a contentment in him. He never gives in. He never stops fighting. It's who he is. He's going to be in the league one day. You're going to see him because he fights. He won't give in, and it's because that's his name. And every day he goes through struggle, every time there's hardship in his life, I remind him of his name. See, the promise of God is not that you will get through everything and everything won't hurt you. Or it's not that you're going to avoid every hardship and pothole in this world. The promise of God is that you will endure and he will be there with you. The promise is that no matter how far you get, he's there. If you make your bed in the graves, he says he's right there laying next to you. Talk about what we doing in this grave. Let's get up out of here. Let's go back to the house. Why are you laying in the grave? The truth is that God has something for you. And so I want to leave you with this idea. What's your name? What is the name you were given even now? See, I believe that, that, that you should know what your name means. It gives you meaning and essence to who you are. Sometimes it even answers questions you've had your whole life. Study and know your name. And then walk into the name that he's given you. You know, there's some people in here that, that never heard of this and don't know what their name means. Amen, go find out. But then there's the rest of us who know what it means but aren't okay with doing it. We hope somebody else will. I know that there is a big calling on me. I know when I was young, there were some things said over me. I know that God has a calling on me. But you know what? It's not right now. Maybe somebody else will do it. And if I act like I didn't hear it, maybe you'll act like you didn't say it. But let me help you real quick and I'm done. Now, there's one more word I want to teach you in Hebrew, and that's the word Shema. 
S-H-E-M-A, write it down, Shema. Looks like Shema, but it's Shema, right? And it's the idea of hearing. That's what it means. It means to hear. So anytime God says, hear me, he's saying Shema. Hear, O Israel, for example, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. That's Shema. Shema Yisrael. Hear, O Israel, right? And so it's this idea of hearing hearing it. And I believe that God is calling for all of us to, to not just be those that hear, but those that do something. He who has an ear, let them hear, is what the word says. Well, that's Shema. Uh, but here's what's powerful about it. The word Shema definitely means to hear, but you know what else it means? To obey. The word for obedience, excuse me, in Hebrew is the same as the word for hearing. And it's because if you hear it and don't do it, you didn't hear it. Ah. If you're hearing me today and you're like, yeah, I hear you. I know I got a name, but I, I don't know what I'm doing. Then, then did you actually hear it? And I believe that God wants to awaken the ears of people in this room today. To be hearers of what he's saying to you. Because there is something about knowing your name that gives you meaning, that gives you purpose, that grounds you and who he's called you to be. Please stop walking in the name that you gave yourself. Please stop walking in the names that they gave you. And then complaining to God that you're still feeling the same way you felt when you were back there. That's not your name, sweetheart. That's not your name. Your name was given before you made that decision. Your name was given before that was done to you. Your name was given before you even knew anything about what names mean. And that's what God wants to restore in here. That's what he wants to revive. He wants to revive your original name. He wants to get you back to where he wants you to be. You are heel grabber. You're not runner, you're not deserter, you're not a punk, you're not shook, you're a heel grabber. And when you recognize that, God then awakens the rest of your journey for you. Jacob and Israel would go on to be one of the greatest men that ever lived, would radically change the way we view God forever, becomes the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. Of course, we know him, one of them being the tribe of Judah that would come about this Messiah that Jesus would come. Guys, all of that started. In fact, Jesus fought with his great, 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 great grandfather on the shores of the Jabbok to get him ready for when he got there so that he could be all that God called for him to be. There is plans in what happens in you. Nothing happens by chance or by, per, or, or by reason. It's just, just happenstance. That's not the God we serve. And so when you understand your name, it gives you essence and meaning. It'll help you to walk into what God called you to be. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you and I praise you that you have given us everything we need for life and godliness. God, that means that there's nothing missing, nothing broken. We're whole in you. So that means, God, that what we're asking for is already inside of us. This is not something new, God. We're not asking for something from the outside to come inside. God, we're praying that what's inside of us will awaken. That you will give us our names some of us that might not even like our names, 
You might be frustrated that your mom gave you that name. But there is something that God wants to define in you that goes beyond words, that gives you meaning, that gives you purpose. So Father, I pray for purpose right now in the name of Jesus. In this season of winter revival, God, we don't want to be the same. We want to walk in your purpose. We want to walk in the name you gave us. God, we are tired of living in the names that others have given us because they don't fit. They might work for a decision we made. They might look good for a season of life we were in, but it's not who you called us and it's not who you want us to be today. God, redefine us. And then, Father, for those that are going through times of brokenness and hurt, times of pain and struggle, God, I pray that you will remind us of that other name you gave us. The idea, God, of Israel is that we struggle with you. And even though struggle is hard, it's better with you. Father, struggle is hard. But when I do it alone, it's unbearable. When I do it with you, I get through. And so, God, I pray that you will just have us add you to our struggle. Stop getting mad at you about the struggle and start to realize that you're in this with us, that you want to fight with us, that you fought for Jacob because you cared for him. And God, you want to fight with us. So God, I pray that you will have everybody under the sound of my voice just add God to their struggle and stop being mad at God about their struggle. Father, I need you to get through what I'm going through. And I know there is a purpose and a plan for even the things that I'm impatient about, even the things that I'm frustrated about, even the things that that I expected you to come through and to do for me personally before this day. But God, I know that in this struggle, you are defining me, and I choose to walk in the name you've given me, not in the frustrations that I might even feel at times in my journey. Father, I thank you that you have helped us to see and to become all that you have for us to see and become. God, I pray that you will cause us to walk in your ways and to walk in your name, the name that you've given us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Love y'all. Love y'all. Can you put your hands together for Pastor Michael Thompson? Come on, let's let him know we appreciate that rich word. Come on, come on, let's give God a praise for a word. Amen. If you know that God will change your nature by changing your name. Listen, before we, before we go, and I'm going to mimic Pastor Andy. Can I get you to give? Can I get you to give? We want to sow in this season of giving into Victory Park. Victory Park represents a place where people will come and be healed. People will come and will get their name changed and their nature changed, that the direction of their lives will be changed as a result of what God does at Victory Park. So we want you right now to give, to sow into someone else's future. You're sowing away from yourself, and we're sowing into people that we don't know, that we may never meet, but you're sowing into good ground. If you would... Uh, point your phone up to the QR code there or raise your hand if you want an envelope and we want to sow into the good work. Amen. Are you glad that you came to church today? 
Amen. It was good that we were here together. It was very good that we were here together. Listen, in the line of announcements before we leave, we do have outside, we have a wall called the Revival Wall. Somebody say the Revival Wall. And what we are doing, we're asking people to write what they're expecting to see revival in their lives, whether it's personal, whether it's professional, whatever it is. We want you to write that on the wall as a prayer. And our elders and our pastors, and we are praying over that wall. And we're believing that God is going to cause just that revival in your life in those particular areas. Also want to remind you, all of our first-time visitors, if you would, go to our Connection Kiosk. And we will get you a gift today for worshiping with us. And then lastly, uh, if you want to participate in baptism, there is a place where you can sign up out in the lobby. Let's get ready to give. Can we pray? God, we thank you, Lord, for the ability to give and to sow into Victory Park. We ask you, Lord, to bless the giver. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And amen. If you would remain seated while they pass the buckets, amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Y'all going to get something new to eat today? Y'all tired of turkey and dressing and stuff? I just want me a sandwich. I don't want, I don't want no heavy plates. Amen. Listen, want to put a plug in for next week. Bishop Rosie O'Neill is going to be here. Amen. She's going to be administering over our last and final communion of the year. And uh, you want to be in a place. God has a word in that woman of God. Amen. And you want to be in a place on this week. Can you stand to your feet? We're about to leave. We just want to pray over, speak good words of benediction over you. Come on, let's pray. God, we thank you for today. We thank you, Lord, for every word that was spoken, every song that was sung. We thank you, Lord, that we leave a little, little lighter. We leave a little more enlightened as a result of our fellowship with each other and with you. Now, God, we pray over this week, Lord, that you make this the most phenomenal week that we have ever had. Lord, we thank you, Lord, Lord, that you have changed our nature by changing our name, God. And we thank you, Lord, that we started walking in the newness of revival that you have set before us. God, we thank you. We bless you and we love you. Lord, do something special for your people on this week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And amen. Hug somebody and tell them I love you in Jesus' name. Hopefully you were blessed and encouraged by this message. Visit www.worldovercomers.church/podcast for more information on WOCC and events that are coming up. Maybe we are coming to your area soon. God bless.